0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi بعد tanzeelih, ba'da na'udhu من min الرجيم shaytani الله rajim الرحيم wa anna ila rabbika al-muntaha, wa anna hu huwa adhaka wa abka, wa anna amata wa My dear respected brothers and sisters, respected elders and young students in Islam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us in this world for a test and a trial. Each one of us is undergoing tests and trials. Some people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing with good conditions, with health, wealth, prosperity, happiness, success, to test if they will be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these blessings, and will make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Others Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing with afflictions, with death, with pain, with anxiety, with worries, with calamities, to test whether they'll be patient and have sober in these trials all the students in the lobby students in the lobby please come inside inshallah so we have we are all undergoing these tests and the successful one is the one inshallah who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is thankful in the good times is patient and has sabr in the difficult times between these two tests shukar and sabr which is the greater test and which is the more difficult test and subsequently the second question that follows after the first one which is extension of the same is which one will be rewarded more this was a discussion the scholars had this question they raised that a person who is enjoying health, wealth, prosperity, happiness is saying, Alhamdulillah, all thanks belongs to Allah. He's remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has the concept of realizing that who is Al Mun'im al Haqiqi, who is the true benefactor. All of these blessings I have is not on my own, that I deserved it, I earned it on my own accord. It was granted to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any right that I have without any istihqaq, without deserving. From his sheer mercy, Allah Ta'ala selected me and granted me this blessing. Whether it pertains to deen or dunya, he is making shukr for the blessings. And another person is having making sabr and has patience over afflictions. So which one is more rewarding? Which one is closer to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala? The, the reason this question came is because we find certain narrations where they have been equated. Like one hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, <laughs> the one who is eating the food and saying, Alhamdulillah for this blessing. Alhamdulillah All praise and thanks to Allah. He gave us this food to eat. It's so in- enjoyable. Every morsel he's chewing it, he's thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gave us to drink. Uh, this is very interesting too. You just ate your meal and you say Alhamdulillah, thank Allah for the one at'amana who gave us food to eat, wasaqana and gave us to drink that's what you just ate and drank so it makes sense you did not just take the shahada now, you didn't become a Muslim but what is part of the dua? and he made us amongst the Muslims to remind ourselves that more important than the gift of food and drink is the gift of Islam that as we are thanking Allah for this blessing of food and drink that we just enjoyed, we cannot forget the biggest blessing. وَكَفَى بِهَا نِعْمَةٌ bil-Islam. He He blessed us with the gift of Islam and Iman. We cannot forget that is the greatest blessing. And a husband, he worked hard with the sweat on his brow. He earned the money and he gave it to his wife. And she bought the groceries and she cooked the food and worked hard and toiled in the kitchen. And when they prepared the meal and they eat it, what did they say? That He is the one who provided us this meal without any effort on our part, without any input on our part. Because that ability we had to earn, and that ability we had to cook, that again is gifted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything comes from Allah. As I very often repeat the statement of Qarun, Inna ma when, when Musa A.S. asked him to spend in the path of Allah, he said, this is not some inherited wealth. In Urdu, as they say, Baab Kamal, that like, I inherited it. Or that uh, uh, some oil wells came into my kingdom and desert Bedouin shepherd becomes a billionaire. It is not like that. He actually earned it through, he was ultimate rags to riches story in the sense that he was a businessman, very astute businessman. So he says, I acquired this treasure through my own intelligence. But forgetting, he, he thought he was so intelligent, he was such a big fool that he didn't realize his intelligence was gifted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who gave you the intelligence. So this person who is thankful and the one who is patient. So the hadith of Rasulullah is, shakiru. The one who is eating and is thankful. as sa'bir Is like the one who is fasting and is patient. So one is eating and saying, Alhamdulillah. One is remaining hungry and also saying, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Praise and thank Allah in every condition. He's being patient for the sake of Allah. Which one is more rewarding? Both are been mentioned with Kaf of Tashbih, that they are similar. So are they exactly the same? So the scholars say, after reflecting on the ayahs of the Qur'an hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu the general principle that is derived is this hadith is saying that just like the fasting person who is patient over his hunger and thirst will receive reward likewise the one who is eating will also receive reward that is the end of the similitude by no means does this mean that they are exactly at the same level how can they be at the same level the one who is fasting and is has sabr. the reward of the sabr is greater than the reward of Shukr. And the reason is we can see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ashaddu nasi bala'an The one who has the severest test and trials in this world are those who are the most beloved to Allah. Al-Anbiya, the Anbiya alayhi wa sallam. Allahu Akbar. He loves them the most so he will test them the most. Thumma al-Amthalu, fal-Amthalu minan nas then those next in rank will be tested next then those next in rank the closer an individual is to Allah the greater the test they will have to face the greater the test they will have to face in this world until a time comes the person will be tested and tested and tested and he will be going trials and trials upon trials and Rasulullah says he will not be uttering any complaint against Allah He'll be bearing all these trials patiently. حَتَّى يَمْشِي عَلَى وَجْهِ الْأَرْضِ وَمَا عَلَيْهِ خطيئة. Until a time comes that he is walking on the surface of the earth. يَمْشِي عَلَى وَجْهِ الْأَرْضِ He's walking on the surface of the earth. He's not under the earth in the grave nor is the Day of Judgment arrived. He's still alive in this worldly life. And not a single sin is left in his account. All of his sins have been forgiven due to his patience under the, uh, that he observed when he was undergoing those trials allah akbar and then the trials are still continuing after after all his sins are forgiven now what is happening rafa'at darajat his levels are increasing like rasulullah sallallahu if you say what about him he never committed a sin all right this is part of our aqidah and our belief ma kana لِنَبِيٍ nabiyin an no Nabi can commit any sin, any khiana. this particularly referring to stealing from the public treasury, that particular sin of ghalul is mentioned in this ayah. No Nabi of Allah will steal from the public wealth, but they will not commit any crime. Anbiya alayhi are ma'asumun, are divinely protected. Minas wal kabairi qabla al-nubuwati wa from major sins, from minor sins, Prior to prophethood, after prophethood, the ﷺ are protected from committing sins. An honorary statement of Allah is: "لَيَغْفِرَ لَكَ اللَّهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ Allah subhanahu wa taala "إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا فَتْحًا مُبِينًا لَيَغْفِرَ Allah has, if you would have committed any sin, prior sin and post sin. Previously, afterwards, major or minor, they have already all been forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the same ayah that Aisha Siddiqa anha, when she was overcome by love and concern for her dear beloved master and husband. There was a double role there. Her beloved Nabi and her husband, Rasulullah sallallahu seeing him standing for long periods of time in night, حتى تورمت until his Mubarak... Feet were swelling from excessive standing. She recited this ayah to him, upon whom it was revealed she is telling him. You remember Allah says min <speaking> wa <Hebrew> and Allah has would have even if you committed any sin, they are already forgiven. And why are you standing so long? And Rasulullah replied, Afada Akunu Abdan Akunu shakura. Shall I not be a grateful slave of Allah to thank Allah for this blessing? So, the test comes, tr- are more severe for those who are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ashaddul bala'an anbiya, Ashadul nasi bala'an. The severest trials are on the anbiya, thummul amsal, fal amsal, than those next in rank. If we see, for example, that we say, you pick any of them, you pick Fatima radiallahu anha. If Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Sayyidu to Nisa'i Ahlil Jannah, Fatima. Fatima anha, is the queen of the woman of Jannah. How did she become the queen of the woman of Jannah? Absolutely not related to the fact that she has been to Rasul. Not because she is the daughter of Rasulullah This has been very categorically, this concept of piety of parents, or having any effect on the children, their status, everyone has to make their own effort, it has been outlined many times in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa Salil Insan, You have nothing to your credit except for your own effort. In Farsi they say, Pidaram Sultan Boud. You know, my father was a great king. So when the, this statement is, My father was a great king. So what? What have you done? What have you accomplished? Rasulullah also Directly addressed Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, his, his aunt, the mother of Zubair radiyallahu an, and his daughter Fatima. Ya, Fa, ya Safiya, O oh, Safiya, in one hadith, Ya Fatima, la min shay'a. Protect yourself from the fire of Jahannam. I will not be able to defend you. Do not rely that I am the daughter of Rasul, or I am the aunt of Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and you will get a free ride you have to protect yourselves the reason she got such a lofty status is because of the level of, of sacrifice she made for the sake of Allah the level of mujahada she had the level of, uh, of ultimate sacrifice that is why she was raised to the status of queen of the women of Jannah one time one man who was a poet from a tribe he entered Muslim boy and he was a mushrik and he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and started attacking him and started uh, verbally abusing him and was behaving in the most arrogant manner. And the Sahaba were very much perturbed by his behavior and could not stand it. And they wanted to stand up and defend Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but he told them to stop. And he addressed him in a very kind manner. Fajrurhum Hajran Jamila, in the most kind manner, he responded and f- spoke to him and invited him with his akhlaq And that person was so overcome. He was so overcome by the patience of Rasulullah the khilm, a forbearance of Rasulullah This patience is such, so great that he can conquer the hearts of the enemies, this forbearance. One time you know, Imam Hanifah whether we know it or not, did many stories about him, and the love that he had for his mother. He loved his mother so much, he respected his mother so much, and he did so much for his mother when she was alive. And one person he came to his door and to insult Imam Abu Hanifa and he came this old venerable respected widow he came to the door of Imam Abu Hanifa and knocked, Imam Abu Hanifa opened the door and said yes how can I serve you he said that this young insolent man he said I want to marry your mother so he was so calm and patient he did not say how dare you say this but in today's culture, it might not mean these people might not be offended, but this is a a person would have. The concept of ghaira itself is gone, where you have the sense of honor to defend your woman, your mothers, your sisters, your daughters. He felt, instead of responding in a harsh manner, he very kindly acted as if it was a very natural proposition, very okay thing to say. And he said, uh, I, he said, I came to get married to your mother. So he said, okay, let me go ask her permission if she's willing to accept your proposal and I'll get back to you and he was very calm and he went inside and after a while when he came back out to let him in or to speak to him he saw the man was lying dead he had died and he said Innahu sabri. he said verily my sabr had killed him Rasulullah said in a hadith Qudsi man aadhaa li liwaliyyan faqad tuhu bilhar that there are only two sins regarding which the word of harb in war Allah has mentioned engaging in war against Allah one is in the Quran one is in the Hadith Qudsi in the Quran of course we all know or should know hopefully that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used the word of war for riba for usury for interest ya ayyuhal lazeena aman all those who believe fear Allah wa dharu ma baqiya minar riba and abstain from all interest-bearing transactions in kuntum mu'mineen if you are believers if you're not, go ahead, do whatever you want. Jahannam is awaiting. If you're a believer, then abstain. But if you still don't abstain, then prepare to engage in war against Allah and His Rasul. This is for riba. In the only other place, in the entire Quran, in the entire, entire hadith, where the word harb that you're engaging against, uh, in war against Allah, is comes for this. من آذى Waliyan. فَقَدْ آذَنتُهُ Whoever would, Adopts enmity and attacks my wali, my beloved friend, then I have declared war against him because you have attacked my friend. So, this is what happened. So, he was had sabr. Rasulullah also had sabr. Of course, he had the highest sabr, and everyone is trying to emulate and follow him. Imam Abu Hanifa is a follower of Rasulullah. Rasulullah was a pinnacle and example of sabr and patience. And he was so calm with that enemy, and he addressed him in a nice manner, and still he conquered his heart. And eventually that person became a Muslim. In that same madlis, in that same session, in same gathering, he said, "Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Then Rasulullah didn't just say, Okay, finally, you accept Islam, good, go away. He's, he made an active fundraising. He said, Who is here in the masjid that can provide for this person? The one who a few moments ago was abusing him, was cursing him. So people brought their food, people brought clothes. Ali was wearing a turban, he took his turban off his head and he put it on the head of that person. And everyone who was there they made a big pile and they gave him clothes, they gave him things. They did not have food as we will come to the end of the story. The food was very scarce. This was the time of of, uh, when they themselves were suffering starvation. Whatever items they had, they gave it there. Then Rasulullah told Bilal take him to and give him a meal so he went to the homes of Aswad al-Mutaharat they said all of them they did not have anything then he came to the to the homes of the Sahaba he came to the house of Ali ibn Abi Talib and Fatima and knocked on the door and he said we have a guest of Rasulullah do you have anything to take care of this guest so Fatima she looked around and she said I don't have anything to serve absolutely nothing as well but how can I send back the guest of Rasulullah this is unacceptable so she had one long piece of cloth a big sheet that she, a, big, that she, a shawl that she would wear on her head the queen of the women of Jannah so she, it was longer than what she needed beyond the bare minimum need so she cut off half of it or portion of it and she gives this to Bilal and said take this to that fulanun one, that fulanun so-and-so Jew who has a lot of store of wheat and say that this is portion of the scarf of Fatima bint Muhammad and she's giving this as collateral as proof as Rahan that she will return the loan to you if you can borrow some if you can lend some wheat so this guest was watching all of this what's going on then he went he took that sheet to the, the, Jew, the Jew gave the wheat then she, he brought the wheat then she, gr- gr- she grinded the wheat and made the flour then she added the water and made the flour, dough then she kneaded the dough and made the bread she got the firewood and made the fire then she baked the bread then she served the bread when she made the bread then the guy, the, this, this new Muslim he was so overcome he said that you have nothing to eat as well why don't you keep some as well she said that لا نريد منكم ولا شكورا. We are feeding you for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We do not want anything in return. All of this is for you. So, these are, this is just one story among stories of the level of sacrifice she made. That is why she became the Sayyidatun Nisa al Jannah, Queen of the Women of Jannah. Not because daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa If Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu is the best of the Sahaba, it is because of the sacrifices he made, the trials he went, underwent. Fatim radiallahu that is why. When Rasulullah when left this world, then she irtijalan. Irtijalan means without sitting and writing and scratching and rewriting and coming up with a poem, from her heart, she uttered those words, the poetry. Fatima radiallahu Anha. She said, Subbat alayya masa'ibun. Lau annaha, Subbat alayyami, sirana layaliyya. She said, Subbat So many calamities and misfortunes, masa'ib, have been dumped on my head if these same calamities would be put on the day out of grief they would turn into night the day would turn into night so this is the system of Allah subhanahu wa taala Rasulullah was not exempted from that and right now we are undergoing the test of shukar for the blessings we have and as we conclude when majority of the people are here come to the actual topic is that at the same time many of our brothers and sisters who are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than us are undergoing the test of sabr and they're undergoing a very severe test in Syria right now and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow them to be successful in this test and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that do not test us and afflict us with such tests that are beyond what we can bear but we have to remember that every pain in this world, as well as every happiness in this world. Every feeling and emotion of this world is temporary. Every happiness and success that we have is temporary. And every pain and, and, and torture of this world is also is temporary. All of these things will pass. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a system of life. He mentions in Surah Al-Najm, the first ayah I recited, wa huwa adhaka wa abka. He is the one who will make you cry sometime, and He is the one who will make you laugh sometimes. wa huwa amata wa ahiya. He is the one who gives death sometimes. He is the one who brings life. He is the one He brings death and he brings life. He is the one who takes away the young person and lives the old one alive for many years. It's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So right now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing our brothers and sisters and they are undergoing a very very severe test. So we have to take heed of that and take a lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He chose, He could have tested us as well. This does not mean, we cannot rush to any conclusion and say, na'udhu billah, that would be the ultimate injustice to say this is a'laab of Allah upon them. And this is what they deserve, na'udhu billah, this is a test. Anbiya Islam will also tested. They are perhaps ahead, definitely ahead of us, more close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of what they are going through. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to successfully pass this test. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala relieve them from this distress, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala stop the hand of the Zalimeen and give them what they deserve. If you look in the entire world, everything in this universe, uh, from the nano level, from the electrons and the protons within the atoms and the molecules, all the way to the planets in the universe, everything is is very systematic, scientific, accurate. Everything kulun fi falakin yasbahoon Subhanallah kullun Everything is moving in the orbits. When it comes to uh, the electrons in the atoms, they're moving in their orbits. When it comes to the galaxies, they're moving in their orbits. Everything is moving around perfectly in order, ultimate order. But the only thing that is out of order are the af'alul <laughs> ibadi, the actions of the slaves. It's complete destruction. This is what the malaika had Objected and asked Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, Tajalu fiha, man yufsidu fiha, wa dima'. Are you creating such a creation? Man yufsidu fiha, who's going to create corruption in the earth, wa yisikud dima' will spill the blood of the innocent as it's being spilt of the mothers and children and old and young alike in, in Syria and all throughout the world. What? So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala knew, but Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, how did He allow all of this injustice to continue? This is a question so we have to remind ourselves that if this was the end of the world and the ظالمين are allowed to continue their zulm, the oppressors are continuing their oppression and no one is going to take them to account and the madrumin are going to suffer from the oppression and they will not be given any reward or respite or any any, any relief from that and, and they will not be avenged for, for how much oppression they faced then this would be a great tragedy and this would be unacceptable and this would be injustice but we have to remind ourselves there's a fail-safe this is not a failure there is something coming beyond this and that is known as a yawm al-deen that is why we remind ourselves that Maliki yawm deen or Maliki yawm al-deen this is the master of the day of judgment yawm al-deen is yawm al-jaza the day of retribution the day of retribution is coming wa وضلم al-qiyamah and the oppression will be a source of darkness, despair on the Day of Judgment. Inna Allah ya'akudu al-zalim Allah will cash the oppressor, will punish the oppressor. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward the oppressed ones. The oppressed ones will be rewarded with such rewards that are unimaginable. There's one hadith of Rasulullah wasallam written by Anas Anhu in Bayhaqi. I read in one book. And sometimes the authors, they have a beautiful way of presenting things. The title of the hadith was given, the, the free levels of Jannah. It's not absolutely free. Nothing is free. Jannah is not free unless Allah Taala wants to give to someone. Rasulullah sallallahu wa said, "Man khafa adlaja, adlaja inna jannah. Man khafa Whoever is afraid of reaching his destination, adlaja will leave early at night. In the caravans, they would leave early, travel in the night when the sun is not up. You can traverse long distances rather than stopping in the day to avoid. Sunstroke. Man khafa adlaja. Whoever is afraid to reach his destination will leave with the caravan in the night. Woman adlaja balagal manzil. Whoever leaves in the night early will reach the destination. Ala inna silatullahi ghaliya. Verily, the merchandise. Sila is merchandise that you have prepared to sell. That which Allah has prepared for His servants. Ghaliya is expensive. It's not cheap. Ala inna silatullahi jannah. What Allah has prepared is jannah. So jannah, we have to make effort for. Jannah is not something which is cheap. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to realize that this test that they're going through, inshaAllah, if they are going to be successful in this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them a very, very, very lofty status. We pray for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give us that test. And I conclude with that title of the hadith was Free Jannah. And that's why I mentioned that Jannah is not free, but this was the attractive way of the author. Now, I was reading which, hadith, which Jannah is free. Let me read this Hadith. Hadith was narrated uh, from Bi that Rasulullah said, On the Day of the Judgment, uh, some people will receive such high, high levels of Jannah that they would never ever dreamed or imagined of. And their mouths will be opened with wonderment, that wow, what did we do? They will look in the book of deeds, they will say that they don't deserve this. This is the whole concept of free Jannah. They will ask, in fact, they will themselves questions: that why are we getting such a great Jannah? What did we do? So then it will be told to them that you were persecuted, and you were hurt, and you were tortured, and you were mazlum and oppressed, and you made sabr during those trials, only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a reward for that sabr, this is the high lofty status in Jannah you will receive. So then it's not a sharih or the commentator adding these further notes to make it more spicy or make it more attractive. This is in the hadith itself that Rasulullah added the next point. And he said, when this response will be given, then the other Ahlul Jannah, even the other believers, who will receive Jannah too, but not that high level, from the bottom of their hearts, they will wish and desire. What will they desire? They will say, Ya Allah, Ya Laytana. Oh Allah, we wish. We wish we could be returned back to the world. Number one. Then we wish that such enemies could be musallat and put upon us. And what would these enemies do? We wish those enemies would have. This is so much imagery and detail in this, that's why it seems like some scholar is adding his own explanation. That's why I had to clarify this actually in the marfur. I mean in the direct words of Rasulullah. That they will desire that we have such enemies, we come back to the world, then we have such enemies. And that these enemies would have combs of iron. And with those iron combs, they would be tearing up the skin from our flesh, tearing it off, giving us that much pain. Now we know, you know, the doctor was, was speaking, if you speak to neurologists, he will say that if you take a, now this is a very sick thing to say, but if you take a fork or a knife and you scramble someone's brains, you will not feel the pain, right? Why? All the pain sensors are in the skin. So the skin takes the, uh, you feel the pain in the skin and it goes back to your brain. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about jahannam. When their skins will burn in jahannam, we will replace it with fresh new skin. Why? So they can continue to feel the torment of jahannam. The skin will be changed. Later on the scholars understood, oh, the pain receptors are in the skin. That is why Allah has seen the skin. So in this hadith is that they will tear our skin from our flesh. Then we will have the opportunity to make sabr. We would desire this, wish this, so that we could attain this eternal reward in the Jannah. So our brothers and sisters are already going through similar pain and torture today. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows in His hikmah what, what to do the action of the wise one is never devoid of wisdom Allah is, Allah is the greatest and most wise he knows what who to test and what level to test and this is a particular test he has given them we, we seek protection of Allah from such tests Allahumma oh adim aman wal aman alina ya alameen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask Allah that he continue to grant safety to us and let us uh, inshallah make dua the time is past In the khutbah, we'll make du'a We'll say ameen quietly in your hearts. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward uh, them for their sabr. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from such trials. Wa akhir alhamdulillah.